0: The Money Show.
1: Business Books. If you've got decent genetics on your side, you look after yourself, you don't bump your head or have somebody else bump your head for you, odds are you'll make it into your 80s, some even into your 90s, but generally we expect that the average life on this planet with people's various upbringings and environments was around 77 years, and that real kick in the guts you get when you look at 77 years and you realize that 77 years is just 4,000 weeks and... As I've been saying this evening, you consider how quickly the weeks fly by, it makes you realize just how fast life really happens. It's a great reminder that life is in fact finite, and when you've got a finite resource, you look after that finite resource perhaps a little bit more, more with more care and circumspection than perhaps you would if you thought it was an infinite resource. Kojo Baffo is the writer blogger and media consultant and it's a fabulous book and it's it's so simple and i i feel sickened that i didn't think about it i'm sure you feel sickened that you didn't think about it but a title of a book 4000 week uh, 4000 weeks time management for mortals is a work of genius kojo just in the title does the book live
0: up to expectations absolutely so, i mean i i I did the whole productivity thing. So I'm in a, I spent, I spent two, three years just kind of reading different books about how we form habits, how to use my time better. Um, and, and there's a whole array of books, um, that cover that topic from different angles. And funny enough, this was kind of the last in, in that journey. Um, and it, it is, like you said, it is very simply written. Um, your starting premise is, is a little daunting uh, when you think, yeah, living to you know your late seventies or eighties, only four thousand weeks um, on the earth, and yeah, I mean it's 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 a great book. I mean, I, I pulled so many quotes from it, and and I think one of the one of the ones that stood out for me, which I'd like to read is that in practical terms, a limit-embracing attitude to time means organizing your days with the understanding that you definitely won't have time for everything you want to do or that other people want you to do. And so at the very least, you can stop beating yourself up for failing. I mean, that's, that's an absolute gem. Uh, one of my favorite things is when you say to somebody, Hey,
1: how are you? they go, Oh, busy. And they make they do it in a way that makes you th- think that oh they want me to think that they're very important they've got no time for anything but they because they're so busy and I think we've become busier and I'm not too sure that all
0: of that busyness necessarily is productive. I mean it's not productive because I mean it's energy drain, draining. I mean they talk about the the efficiency trap, um, kind of the the more efficient you become the more you do uh, the the more work you get. So if you get to inbox zero, I mean, I was one of those years ago who bought into the sole idea of inbox zero and you spend your time trying to get those emails in the inbox down to zero. Um, all that happens when you reply emails quickly is more emails come in. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean,
1: whose law is who is it, whose law is it that work expands to fill the amount of time available in many people's lives and if you are deeply efficient then people give you more to do and so that can be quite destructive but it's this very very sobering thing that you work out that you've only got about 4000 weeks and where many people might find that quite depressing for others including myself i think for you perhaps um i think it's a massive motivator because it does force you to prioritize and forces you to think about what it is that you choose to do on a daily basis?
0: I think once you get your head around it, it's liberating. Um, because like you said, it is about it is about prioritizing. One of the things that um, Oliver Berkman talks about in the book is not having too many things as work in progress um, and, and being kind of very deliberate about... About the things that you're working on, the things that you're putting your attention into. Um, and, 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 and kind of, he talks about paying yourself first when it comes to time, um, and limiting your work in progress, as well as the, resisting the allure of middling priorities. Um, and, and so it's, <laughs> it's about, it's about understanding, it's about being self aware enough, which is part of the journey, I guess. Mm. Um, to know what is important, what needs to be focused on, and what needs to be neglected. Um, Because if we know that we're not going to have time to do everything, you might as well then take that finite time and devote it to things that matter to you. Does he give tips on how to prioritize? Because I think for most people, um,
1: if the first hour of your day is spent prioritizing the next seven hours of your day, you probably would be a lot more productive. But especially in the beginning, I think feel terribly guilty about spending an entire hour in the limited eight hours that you have in that day, actually thinking about the seven hours ahead. I wonder if we more of us did that, we'd be a bit more useful to the world.
0: I mean, he does give a a bit of a kind of tips list towards the end. I mean, he kind of brings everything together as, as well as references a couple of, a couple of techniques in terms of being able to limit your, your work in progresses. And there's a, I can't remember the name now. There's like a Japanese, a Japanese take, technique that comes from, that comes from manufacturing, um, which he, which he also references. I've actually been looking at, looking at getting that book um as kind of one of my next reads. Um but he does he does kind of bring everything together um, without being without being overly prescriptive. I think it's it's more about because like the starting premise of you only have four thousand weeks if you live to eighty um and you only have finite time. So stop stressing about stop stressing about what you can't control. Um, I think for me that is the key that's the that's the paradigm shift once you've you know once you've figured that out within context of your own life um, whether it's professional whether it's personal etc um, then everything else starts to kind of make sense and fall into place but he does he, he does give some some tips towards the end of the book as he closes up the book there's so much science that is now looking
1: at the concept of multitasking and this idea that you can be juggling five projects at once and every project is going to get your best attention because you're just so gifted and talented. This idea that you should have fewer works in progress, I think also aligns then with the new science that says don't multitask, don't think that you're clever. If you're not giving your full attention to what is most important, then it is diluted and it's not going to get your full attention because you're worrying about the other the three or four balls that you're trying to keep up in there at the same time. So nothing actually benefits.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, I considered myself a multitasker for many years. Um, the one thing I have spent the last couple of years trying to figure out is how to be a single tasker. Um, because like you're saying, the science has shown that even if you're jumping from one thing to another thing, there's there's a time frame of, there's, whether it's a couple of seconds, I, I can't remember the exact time, uh, but when you switch to a different task, it takes you, it takes some time to get into, you know, get into focus with that particular task. So if you're jumping, you know, if you, if you jump between three tasks in 10 minutes and hypothetically, let's say it takes you a minute, um, to, to get that focus, to be able to vote so zone in on the new task that you're tackling, that's already three minutes out of the 10 minutes that you're mm. losing um and and so it's being able to when you shift to something shift to that and focus on it even if you're just taking 20 minutes or 30 minutes but not you know not jumping between a task the phone an email because all all that's happening is that you're losing time Adrian Gore told me, and it's a second reference, shameless
1: reference, to the Genius Podcast series, um, but in Episode 3, I think it was, which we recorded at Gibbs at the Gordon Institute of Business Science at the launch of the book that became the podcast, he said when he was 27 and a half, he, discovered, he, he, de- he decided to start Discovery he launched discovery and from that moment he felt that he was running out of time he was 27 and a half years old he was barely in the world of work by by most mm. people's standards yet he was filled with this absolute terror that he was going to run out of time before he'd built anything significant and i and that and we explored that quite extensively in terms of it being the motivator of his life and i think there you know the sooner you realize that time is limited the more, the less likely you are to treat time as a commodity and more as an
0: asset. Absolutely, and also not being, not being overwhelmed by it, like not not trying to control it. Um, I mean, my personal journey has been a, a, a discovery around what's important, and and also not looking at the world as this linear thing, you know, where I'm trying to achieve certain steps. Um, I. And, and he does talk about it in the book. And I mean, it's something that's been talked about extensively, kind of being in the present and being in the moment. And, and now I try to actually just, you know, I, I focus on what I can. Um, my, my little mantra is focus on what's right in front of you. Um, and as long as I am living a relatively content life and I can keep you know, food on the table and roof over the head and the kids in school, um, then, and, and I'm enjoying to a certain extent the work that I'm doing. Then for me, that's, that's kind of what success is. And I think this, this whole idea of, of building and scaling and, um, and kind of buying into this whole linear, you know, the linear trajectory in terms of when we started like nursery school and there's all these steps along the way, but the world has changed. Um, and I think the, What 4,000 weeks does is, is force you to kind of take a step back and, and revisit, you know, revisit your life and revisit why you do what you do.
1: There is, I mean, there, there, there are numerous pitfalls with this philosophy and that one, one of the pitfalls, and I see myself falling into it by focusing on the here and now and everything that I can, can, uh, can control is, um, and as somebody who's been trained on the, the art of the deadline and screeching in just before the door closes, um, that it does limit your ability to plan and think ahead because you're so busy focusing on the now that you're not necessarily planning three steps ahead. And anybody who's ever played chess knows that you need to have the end game in mind long before you even begin to make the moves. And I wonder whether this is not a risk using this sort of framework.
0: Um, I think any framework is a risk, right? Um, it's about what kind of what makes sense and what works for you. Um, this, I mean, the cliche is you know tomorrow's not promised, right? Um, so the flip side is you can spend you can spend a lifetime and all of your energy. Working towards something that you're you're never gonna actually reach, so we don't know what the future looks like. Um, we're not saying I don't think the book says, and it's not about okay, all you're gonna do is just focus on what's happening right now, without any kind of idea of something that you're working towards. Um, but it's, I think it's about bringing that attention great into the now. So I mean, we're we built a world and we we live lives where. Everything is about the future. Everything is about, you know, what life am I building? What work am I going to do? Um, what am, Where am I going to be in five years, 10 years, 15 years from now? Um, and, and I think what books like this do is just remind us that um, you also need to take into consideration right now. Thank you very
1: much, Kojo Baffer, who is the writer, blogger, and media consultant reviewing a fabulous book for us. And when I saw it, my heart almost stopped. Far fewer than 4,000 weeks. Simply because you look at it and you go, oh, my goodness gracious me. Um, All through your life, you think in years or whatever the time frames are. And you think, well, I've got – you know, I know 77-year-olds, Yeah, they, they, they're still pretty they're sprightly and pretty fit. There's still plenty of time to do X, Y, and Z, plenty of time to go on that holiday, plenty of time to go on that hike, plenty of time to spend time with that person. Um, right now, I would rather play on the Xbox or so whatever the case might be. The moment you start looking at it week by week by week, it has to take on a different slot. No longer do you need to dread Mondays, because Mondays are part of an an exceptional opportunity, the setting up the week. If you're living um, you know, if you're living dreading Monday and can't wait for Friday, then you really need to read this book so that you stop wasting time and barking up the blim whatever tree that you're barking up, because you are. You're wasting your life. Um the author is Oliver Berkman. Uh the book is called Four Thousand Weeks. Time Management for Mortals um, and it, it just it, the wonderful studies of philosophy and ancient philosophers and you you realize that people have been battling with this idea for millennia they really have and he talks about embracing your limits, changing your life and making the 4,000 weeks count good book I think Kojo Baffo, thank you very much indeed the book tonight on the money show 4,000 weeks time management for mortals the author Oliver Berkman